0: Welcome to Vitalnomics, the Church Vitality Podcast, a digital arm of the Church Vitality Network. I'm your host, Gary Moritz, and joining me will be today's voices in church revitalization and renewal. This is a place to find spiritual health, active leadership, and finding legacy over longevity. No matter where you are on the revitalization journey, God is writing your story through his church. He's called you to do it. So whatever you do, don't quit. Reach out and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. If you find this episode helpful share it if you have some helpful insights on revitalization let's share them on the show now let's get into today's topic well, welcome back to another helpful episode of vitalnomics where we're encouraging and equipping leaders to mobilize the church toward vitality and today we have our great friend jim randall from Exano back in the studio with us to continue our conversation around clarity. And so in our last podcast, we talked about how churches and leaders have a lid that's keeping them from experiencing God's best for their church. And Jim, I just want to say welcome to you. And how's everything going with you?
1: Gary, so good to be back uh, with you guys. Things are going really well. Uh, coming off of a uh, a little bit of a relaxing weekend for me, I'd say. Uh, so man, looking for a great week coming up. Uh, yeah, thanks again for having me on.
0: Yeah, it's great. I, I don't I don't know. Um if if you ever get bored and you want something just to okay. pass the time, yeah, open up Zoom and just go through their filters and like give okay. yourself a mustache and some thick eyebrows. It's oh, kinda, yeah. it's kind of scary. It's uh yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I I did do that once. I did that once. <laughs> it was during COVID and um I was uh I was uh I was at that Somewhere between bored and going out of my mind stage. And it's closer to going out of my mind. And I played with them and I thought, okay, I, I could, this is a time waster here.
0: Oh, man. Well, that's funny. <laughs> that's so random, but it's funny. Um, but oh, we, I'm with uh, you. Yeah, yeah. So last time you used the, a metaphor yeah. of the pumpkin jar to kind of drive home the fact that clarity isn't everything, but clarity changes everything for a church that is either yeah. stuck or plateaued. And so, you know, today, I, I think maybe we can talk about some additional reasons of why churches okay. and ministry leaders are stuck and or plateaued.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great one, Gary. And I think we could probably uh, we could probably talk for hours, days, maybe weeks on end uh, with some of those reasons. As a matter of fact, a lot of times I like to talk about it as a spider web. There's never any one specific reason. Right. Right. There's usually all these uh, just interconnected reasons why that's the case. Uh, and and really today, I think what I'd like to do is just share a couple of these kind of uh, composed into one idea, one principle. But one of the things I do share with pastors uh, just right out of the gate is that, you know what, if we don't as pastors and ministry leaders give people handles when they come into our church, right, then they will bring their own handles or they will go get their own handles, right? That's good. And so, in, in other words, if we don't provide people who are coming in our church with what I would call the clarity handle, they will create their own clarity for your church. That's right. They will. I mean, this is bottom line. I've seen it happen. We've all seen it happen. And uh, they'll bring this this personal handle from, I don't know, their a previous church they were serving with or their childhood church, right? Right. Uh, something that they found online something that they heard about, right? Or yeah. right, Maybe they were talking to a co-worker, right? you know, a friend of mine said, right? And they'll just, they'll bring these handles in and, and the next thing you know, you're going to be fighting with a or, or challenge, let's say it better like that, challenge within a, a church that just has all of these kind of ideas and things. And it's really, quite frankly, going to splinter and cause the church to go in so many different directions that it's going to be stuck, going to be unhealthy. Uh, it's not going to fulfill what God has uh, for them, uh, in the future. And we, we liked, uh, one of the things years ago uh, that we did is we wanted to take that, that kind of that principle of what handle are you providing, you know, sure. and we created, um, uh, the principle of the upper lower room identity. Mm. Um, and, and really what, uh, you know, the yeah. idea is that stuck churches, plateaued churches, churches that are truly struggling uh, they have a lower room identity permeating their culture. Yes. I mean, it's just they're stuck in it, right? They can't get out of it. So what the heck is this upper room, lower room thing? Well, Gary, imagine imagine a two-story building, right, or a two-story yeah, home. Sure. And uh, imagine that in the uh, uh, on the first floor, which we'll call the lower room, there's a door into it. There's easy access into it. And there, there's certain things that are in that lower room or in that first floor that people are very, very comfortable with. I mean, they love this lower room, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but imagine that on the second floor is something that's pretty incredible for them for their church. But for a lot of reasons, they never get out of the lower room, and they never make it up to the upper room. They get, they get stuck in what we would kind of call this lower room identity of things that they become very, very emotionally attached
0: to. That's good. So let's dig into that. Like, what, is that, okay. what does that mean? Understanding like the lower room identity.
1: Okay, so so when we talk about lower room identity, we talk about one of the things that we've seen is kind of like four attachments that people have once they come into this lower room, into this first floor, there's these attachments. There's these things that they become very, very connected with. Mm. and uh they're very they very they love it they're very comfortable with it in some ways or another it becomes their primary reason to be connected to your church right and so we've identified four of those primary attachments uh their place personality programs and people so four p's right good good preacher talk right there <laughs> uh four p's right and and really the first one of place is that people uh, become emotionally tied to the church's physical structure, to maybe the architecture, right. maybe the location, just something. We're, you know, creature comfort, right? We're yes. we're creatures of comfort. Yes. And and we love, it. I don't know about you, uh, a little confessional here. You know, when I leave the church, I, I go down the same road. There's more than one way to get to my church, but I take the same drive. Right whenever i'm coming on the coming up on the church i enter in the same parking lot the same excuse me the same parking lot uh, entrance and as soon as i turn that corner uh true confession here right i start looking for what i call my parking spot now it's not really my parking spot right, That's right. <laughs> in my head it is right and and there's almost this feeling of oh man if there's a car there and I'm immediately having to kind of figure out, okay, now where do I want to park? So I've backed into my parking spot so that, you know, I got that quick access out, right? I find it, That's I park hilarious. in, I go down the same hallway, I uh, enter the same door, you know, get greeted by some of the same people, walk down the same hallway, uh, enter through the back of the worship center the same way. And I don't know about you, here we go. Takes it even further than my parking spot, right? It's my seat in the oh, no. in the worship center. <laughs> Right there. There's my seat. I'm making my way straight to my seat, you know, because it placed me and I get I get a little discombobulated if that's if that's out of whack, if that's out of order. Now, listen, super, super special kind of example. But let's think about all the people who have churches have split over place. That's right. Stained glass windows, carpet, chairs, Mm. podiums, pulpit, parking. We could go on and on and on right and it's just so easy for people to just kind of you know just completely become accustomed so place is one second one's personality uh we talk about personality is when people are mostly connected to a particular leader usually because of their gifts their talents their their gregarious nature their abilities and they become super connected to that personality of that leader oftentimes a senior pastor, maybe a worship pastor, maybe a student pastor but somebody who just leads well and are probably extremely well intended but the people become so connected to them and I don't know about you Gary but God help us that's right when that when that leader leaves yeah. the church yeah. right and goes yeah. is called somewhere else because it's like an open door of opportunity for that for that person who's more connected to the personality to just be gone to leave to either go with them or to go somewhere else. Yep. because they're more connected to that personality. Third one was programs. So programs are when people are mostly connected to various activities and ways of doing things at the church. So they're very, they love their programs. They love, you know, uh, in many cases, they love the programs that drew them to the church in the first place. Mm. So they're super stoked about it. I, I came to Christ, Gary. I'm an wanna kid. So yeah. many of the, Listeners might be aware of a one, just a great kids kids ministry uh, program based upon missions and Bible uh, Bible memorization. Just really helped solidify my faith. I came to Christ, but you know what? A few years ago, I was uh, consulting with a church out in the Midwest, and uh, one of the very you know we're having the conversation, we're talking about an opportunity that the church might be pursuing. They immediately said, "No, no, no, we can't do that." And when I asked why, they said, well, because, you know, because we we would, that that would affect, that would affect Awana that night, or or we would have to adjust this. And they had an Awana program that was three times larger than the church. That's great. I love the fact that they're reaching kids for Christ, right? Right. That's amazing. But it was a true example of the tail wagging the dog, the tail being Awana, and the dog being the church. Awana was truly driving the course of the church instead of god's vision for the church that's right yeah driving it Mm. huge gap huge and by the way there's nothing wrong with these four p's right let me be super clear on that because i'll probably catch some you know some pushback on these p's there's nothing wrong with a place there's nothing wrong with having those some of those comforts there's nothing wrong we want we want ministry leaders to have personalities right worst thing is for them not to have Right, right, right. We we want programs to be successful and effective, mm-hmm. and, and it, the problem isn't those Ps. The problems is our overconnectivity to them. That's right. Mm-hmm. Is when they become more important than the purpose of God that's residing in the upper room, which we'll talk about in a little bit. That fourth one is people. Love people. Yeah, I'm a people person. Yeah, Gary, I'm pretty certain you're a people person. I love people. We we met. We met. <laughs> I remember the first time we met. Just totally fellowship yep. environment next thing i know we we're talking for an hour <laughs> right and it just went from went from there just uh right. so people the issue with people in the lower room is when people are emotionally connected to their friends at the church or other relationships more than they're connected to the purpose of god that's right. for that church and then for them in their lives um oh wow uh, a few years ago uh i was um uh, up in the northwest doing some consulting and my phone rang and I uh, turned it off. I'd accidentally not turned it off prior to starting and it's my wife and you know I didn't think a whole lot about it until about 15 minutes later the church executive assistant came in and said, hey you know Jim, your wife needs you to call." So um, I make the phone call and find out on the call that my mother-in-law had had a debilitating stroke and wasn't expected to live through the night wow. And here I was out in Montana. Uh, we're on the East Coast we're living in Florida. Her mom is in Virginia mm. and you know, it, you know, my son, it's just a lot of chaos happening. And I'm on the phone with my wife and uh, one of the uh, members of our small group called in as I was on the phone with my wife. And I knew the only reason why he'd be calling in is because he heard the news. So he heard the news and as he came on and uh, uh, did a three-way call, he literally said, Hey, Jim, man, listen, know you're, know you're at Montana. Listen, here's the deal. We're going to get Jane to the airport. We're going to get Jared taken care of. We're going to, we're going to make sure that she gets up there to see her mom. You don't worry about it. You get back when you can get back here, Mm. but whatever you need, we got you. That's good. We got you. And man, you know, people, wow. You know, that's amazing. Right.
0: Right. And
1: I I tell that story because it, it makes, it makes a difference, but there can come a time where we become so attached to people and overconnected to people that we miss out on God's purpose for our church and for our lives. And as much as I loved the people in our small group, not to the point to where—and I know you've never heard of this, Gary—I'm kidding. Uh, that you know, if the Williams leave, the next thing you know, there's two to three other families that are leaving uh, the church because they're super connected. Right. And they become next thing, you know, and it's just all of a sudden you're having to do damage control because people become so connected to people. Yes. Once again, not a bad thing. All four of these are not a bad thing. It's just that over connectivity that makes it a, a challenge. Right. Yeah. So perfect. that's the idea of the lower room. That's the you know, we kind of learn these four things that people get kind of caught in uh, in that lower room.
0: Yeah. And I've I've seen that. You know, I've seen all of these pieces take place, yeah, like, you know, it's like to pick one is kind of hard, but but I, I especially think, you know, the underlining theme that I hear through all this is, is kind of the biblical word, idolatry. So yes. we, we, we yes. idolize people, personalities, programs, and places, and when we fail to put Jesus first, then everything else becomes first and Jesus becomes second. And the reason why people leave churches is is because maybe that worship is out of order somewhere in their heart. Yes, and uh, uh, great people, word. I've also seen people walk away and then other people are like, why are you leaving? And then the other people realize the reason why those people are leaving is because they're the problem. Uh, right, right, right. <laughs> it's not the right. church. So, um, And those are right. the wise people. Those are the, the people that are, are grounded. Agreed. We talked about the, the lower room. And I'm assuming there's an upper room.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that second floor, that upper room, you know, imagine the upper room. Now, this isn't a direct, this isn't a direct uh, metaphor or story from uh, the picture of the upper room in the New Testament. Right. But there are some things that you can connect to. So, uh, think about this upper room. Just you know, much like being in Scripture, as being a place where Jesus is. When we talk about the upper room, we are talking about a place where God is revealing and sharing His vision for the church and for for a person. And so it's a place where you can clearly hear and see God's vision, right? Mm. Uh, This is the place where members are emotionally attached to a sense of purpose that God has for their church. So that's a different emotional attachment, Gary, Mm. than an emotional attachment to place, personality, programs, and people. It's an emotional attachment to purpose. Huge difference there, right? It's huge. And like what we talked about with the handles. If the upper room is void of purpose, of having a clear purpose for your church, then there is absolutely no reason for anyone to ever leave the lower room. Wow. And so we talk about the lower room as being a place of provision, it's things that God are providing for us, but the upper room is a place of vision, mm. right? It's, it's a, it's a, uh, the lower room is a, is meant to draw people. But the upper of the upper draw people into the church, the upper room is meant to draw people up to God and to God's desire for our church. Mm. And so what what we've got to do is we've got to steward that responsibility as ministry leaders. We've kind of got to we've got to say, okay, you know, what's my role? How do I you know, how do I help people go from that lower room identity that's about provision to that upper room identity? It's about God's vision for our church.
0: Wow, I I wish I would have had that breakdown during COVID because now going back, yeah, I saw our church literally, and I'm sure other churches can identify. I saw our church like red sea, like upper yeah. room people, lower room yep. people. It's like yes, yes, smokes. exactly.
1: You you see people, you see issues. Yeah, I got a phone call just a little bit ago, a little while ago. Uh, from a ministry leader, they were, they were shifting, um, uh, the way they were doing their group, uh, studies and their group curriculum. They were going to a new style of curriculum that was tied to the message series. And it is a church that had been, uh, doing a, uh, curriculum line for about the last 60 years. Right. And I'm pretty certain it was the same curriculum line. So they were beginning to make a shift, right? And the, the pastor, whenever he called me, he, he literally said, Jim, I got a lower room identity issue. People are more connected to where our curriculum comes from. Wow! Than the than the life change that it helps us to produce, yeah. uh, help songs. us achieve. No, that's
0: that's crazy. Yeah, I, I yeah, I don't even know where I'm going to go from here with that. That's just uh, that's just <laughs> life changing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's
1: pretty pretty strong.
0: So so talk about like what are some moves the pastor or ministry leader can make? You know, yeah. To, to move from a lower room to an upper room,
1: yeah, uh, Gary. There's there's really I I put these into in, into three moves that a pastor can make, a ministry leader can make. Um, craft vision, mm. cast vision, connect vision. Mm. Craft vision, cast vision, connect vision. And let me uh, let me unpack those a little bit. So craft vision is this, and it's a little bit of the obvious if if you know scripture says if there's no vision right that the people will perish well right. i would almost say this if there's no vision the people will cherish <laughs> some, something right right yeah and so as ministry leaders as pastors we have to take responsibility to craft the vision be a part of discovering what god's vision is for our church and so when they're up in the upper room we got to be super clear with what we're sharing with them is our identity is our church. Like the last thing you want to hear is this, well, we don't know who we are as a church. Mm. You know, you always have, next thing you know, you got an elder walking around or a deacon walking around going, you know, I don't have any idea where we're going as a church, no clue whatsoever. Now, granted it may be because they're not dialed in, but, Oftentimes, it's because we really, we really don't have a vision for our church. We don't have a clear identity and a clear direction for our church. So, as pastor, the first thing, first move we got to make is crap vision. Mm-hmm. Discover what God's vision is up in that upper room and make sure that we're being, you know, make sure we're crystal clear with it and that people, you know, that we've developed that in a clear way and we have that clarity. Uh, cast vision. There's one thing to have vision. There's another thing to cast vision. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can have vision on paper, and there's a lot of people out there who think vision is is something that once you have it on paper, you got it and you're done. Mm -hmm. You know, we say this a lot: vision transfers through people, not just through paper, Mm -hmm. right? And so you got to you got to cast vision verbally. You got to cast vision visually. You got to cast vision with your congregation. You got to make sure that your congregation knows exactly who we are as a church and where we're headed. Mm. Uh we talk about just the consistent dripping of vision throughout our church. And one of the challenges is is ministry leaders and pastors, they have a tendency to just say, "Well, yeah, I shared our vision at the at the on vision weekend last year and you've not said <laughs> another word about it." Right. Right? And and you think everybody got it. Right. Gary, I don't know about you, but how how long – I told my son like 16 years to brush his teeth every morning, <laughs> right? Every morning I felt like we were doing this, me <laughs> or his mom, right? People need more than once a year That's right. to really connect with something. And uh, as a matter of fact, Gary, I think it, was, it wasn't until he got his first girlfriend that I, I saw him actually start brushing his oh, teeth every stop. morning, by the way. No
0: way. way. <laughs> no way.
1: <laughs> okay. Maybe a little facetious, but <laughs> – there are some external motivators sometimes right <laughs> the, the third one is connect vision uh we have to intentionally connect the thought between strategic decisions that we make in our church and that vision that we have crafted and that we're casting mm. okay it's it's not as clear as we think it is that's right we got to consistently connect those dots. let's go back to my parking spot you know i'm tongue in cheek here, right? My parking spot, my pew, my chair, my, you know, the aisle. So I walk in and no lie, the aisle that I walk down is missing, Gary. The aisle that I walk (laughs) to get to, my pew is gone. The aisle is gone. Not the chair is gone. The aisle is gone. And I'm totally frozen. My family's standing off to the side, step off to the side. They are just going to step into this incredibly laugh at dad mode. Because now that is crippled with where is he supposed to sit, right? right? Because now if the aisle is missing and I used to sit on the end, then that means I'm in the middle of a row now. I'm not on the end. And that's just not going to work for somebody who thinks exit strategy everywhere they go. So I'm all discombobulated. Finally, after a little bit of trial and error, kind of reset where we're going to sit that day. I sit down in it. I'm kind of all off, you know, a little bit of out of, you know, I'm just kind of a little bit huffy, you know, wait, what are they doing here? What's going on? You know, and our, uh, our executive pastor, he steps up and he says, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being a key part of living the mission of our church, of sharing grace with everyone that you meet in order for us to see Christ change lives, which is our mission. Mm. And, and he was just like, he's like, you guys are you killing it. Keep doing that. Do you know what? Do you know that we figured out this week that if we went from a five-aisle setup for our chairs to a three-aisle setup, we could get 150 more chairs in the worship center for every single service that we had? That's great. Goes back and says, that's like 700 more people in the four services that we run. Mm-hmm. Something like that. And Gary, no lie, I just started shrinking, right? I just started shrinking down because <laughs> yes. it was, it was that, it was, it's what I needed to hear, right? Right. Yeah. To make it not about me and that lower identity of place, because what he did is he connected the dot back to the purpose. Mm. To the upper room identity that was far bigger than my stupid chair yeah and i'm certainly thankful for that for sure No, that's, that's so really so gary that's it that's that's what i would say those moves you got a craft vision you got a cast vision and you got to connect vision to that strategic those strategic decisions in your church and and quite frankly almost everything that you're doing because it doesn't just happen that naturally and we see churches doing this all of a sudden flipping the switch they're flipping the switch toward vitality they're flipping the switch toward clarity right yeah. they're becoming unstuck and so it's a really cool place to see it's a really cool thing to see
0: that's awesome i'm still actually stuck on your son not brushing his teeth until he got a <laughs> no, I'm okay. no i'm just i'm kidding. hoping
1: <laughs> i'm open he doesn't hear this one that might have been a little melodramatic <laughs> that, that,
0: but that's awesome that's uh, a <laughs> sort of awesome Um, (laughs) So what are some, I guess, resources or a tool that a pastor can use to assess, hey, what's my upper or lower room identity principle? Yeah.
1: Well, it's certainly a powerful tool. Like you said, you were resting in it as we were sharing and just kind of thinking about the ramifications. It's a very powerful tool uh, or metaphor or story to tell as you think through uh, helping a church kind of go through transitions and change. So one of the one of the tools we're provided is a uh, just a an, an assessing the lower room kind of quiz, if you will. Okay. Uh, just kind of you know, kind of a, uh, you know if you're if you're a pastor ministry leader, just go through and just kind of answer. It's on a it's on a Likert scale. where You'll go through and kind of share how much or how little that's an issue for you at your church, and you'll be able on the, on the end of that be able to say, hey, you know what? Looks like we have a a place issue or a personality issue. And Gary, if I could say one more thing, um, it's not a one and done type assessment. Right. Um, it's, It's fluid. Right. What is an issue today may not be an issue in a year because you've compensated for it. But if you're not careful and if you're not continually casting and connecting vision, then one of the other ones may emerge right underneath you. And you didn't even you didn't realize it because because we're not being as effective at crafting, casting and connecting vision with. it. And so I would I would say it's one that you can kind of I would say on a regular basis, once every six months or every year, just do a quick assessment. Some of it you're going to know intuitively Mm -hmm. because you're going to hear the stories of what people are saying in congregation. But it's certainly a great starting starting place for, uh, for a ministry leader to kind of have that idea of where do they stand in this upper room, lower room identity.
0: No, that's great, Jim. I, I, we'll have that available on the show notes for people to download. Oh, and, cool. Uh, but this has been uh incredible insight. I mean, great insight on the upper room and lower room. I just, thanks so much for sharing this. Uh, it's been great.
1: Oh, uh, thanks Gary. And once again, thanks for having me on and looking forward to uh, what God does and how God uses this tool to serve his bride.
0: Yeah. And so I just want to tell our listeners, thanks so much for taking the time. And, listening to this and downloading the free resource. And I'm praying that this takes you from the the basement or the lower room to the balcony, to the upper room so that you can discover vitality again. We'll catch you in on the next time. And thanks so much for listening.